Welcome to Empowered, by women, for women. This podcast brings you inspirational women and their stories, their successes and their experiences along the way. Join us to be challenged and inspired, brought to you by Invintage and hosted by myself, Trudy Kerr. On this show, I'm talking to two extraordinary ladies, artists in their own right, singers, musicians, actresses, directors and writers. But as sisters, they are a powerful creative force to be reckoned with. Bettina and Philippa are the new Victorians. Welcome, ladies, and welcome to the newest of the new Victorians, because, Bettina, you've just announced that you have a little one, too. I'm not so little one right now. (laughs) Well, I have to say, we were expecting this to be breaking news and for you to be kind of not so pregnant as you are, but congratulations, (laughs) you are very pregnant. I am, I am. I'm six months pregnant, due in August, so... It's sooner than you thought, Trudy. <laughs> it is much sooner than I thought, but congratulations because, of Thank course, um, Philippa, Phil, you got married last year I was a as well. bride, indeed. <laughs> this is fantastic. We're going to be talking about that and your role as women and wives and now soon-to-be mums and all of this Amazing. sort of thing. But before we get there, I think I've known you ladies and been interviewing you for about eight years I think as long as we've been active, right? I think this was our first TV interview. We felt (gasps) really badass. (laughs) (laughs) This was 2013 or 2014. Uh, And one of the things that's always impressed me is the way that you've changed, you've grown, you've adapted. And when I first interviewed you, you were a newly formed band. You were brand new. And then moving forward, uh, I spoke to you uh, early March 2020, uh, and you were just going into the theatre with another amazing production, Intermanual Theatre, that you'd written and produced following the astounding success of Sete. Now, of course, COVID hit, and you had to adapt yet again. So my first question to you guys is, what have you been doing and how have you adapted over the past 12 months? Go for it, Beth. <laughs> oh, wow. So, yeah, I think last March, well, the one before now, March 2020, it was just a bit of a shock. So it was, as you're saying, everything was cancelled. We also do a lot of weddings. So it was just one cancelling after postponing, after one thing, after the next. In the meantime, Phil was kind of trying to decide whether or not to get married, whether to go ahead with it or not. Which because of COVID, not for any other reason. Exactly. No, I mean, because it, it was so ironic, how, like how much we didn't know, have a clue at the time. I remember it obviously broke out in March and we were like, I think we'll be okay by our wedding in May. I think it would have all blown over. And then yeah. obviously it didn't. And brides were phoning like daily. And obviously with every other bride that called, I was like, I guess I should move mine. And so all of that. Yeah. So then I think for us, it just became natural to go to our default. So our default was writing songs our default is creating and so I think I found that easier because I'm quite an introvert so I love just having days at home alone where I was just reading and writing and producing and so we ended up with like 30 or 40 songs demos tracks Um, and I think if very soon after like I'd say a month or two after there was like different covid calls so there was like an arts council call for like artists like what are you doing send proposals Um, There was a Teatro Malta one, and so classic TMV, we just started filling in application after application, different ideas. I mean, we must have pitched about five or six different ideas, so these are kind of only the ones that have 
come to fruition now. So we got to work on the collaborations EP. We started research for another two theatrical productions. So at the moment, it's a lot of just like research, production. We wrote a full album, which we're just kind of hanging on Waiting. to. Waiting. <laughs> yeah. And all fully produced as well, just kind of final stages at Howard. And again, it's just this kind of, I feel we have a strategy meeting every three days because things keep changing. So it was like, okay, we'll release our album in March 21. And then it was like, oh, maybe not. Let's release a few songs and release in May 21. And then suddenly we're in lockdown again. So we're like, okay, maybe we'll release next November or, or next March. So it has just been like a constant. I mean, luckily we have the creative hat as well. So we're not just musical performers. So it's just become a lot of creating, a lot of strategizing. All our interaction has moved to online. So like a lot more kind of effort on social media, but that's what I was going to come to, and that's what I'm asking you guys, is, is has COVID, has the, this last 12 months been easier because you have so many strings to your bow? Because I've been talking to musicians, I've been talking to actors yeah. who have had no work and nothing to do. Yeah. So is it because you have so many yeah. different... I, I don't genres. think it's been easier necessarily. I think the fact that like the situation keeps changing is as soon as you're getting used to the new kind of parameters, they change again. Or as soon as you're finally, let's say, creating something and have a plan of how to launch it, those launch plans have to change again. So I think what's been hardest for us isn't so much keeping inspired and creating. I think that's kind of we have a kind of nurtured that muscle almost and like now we know how to kind of use it. But I think it's just been emotionally and like psychologically draining, consistently mm -hmm. adapting. I think personally, that's the way I felt the most. I also, a bit different to Bettina, I feel like I refuel inside a rehearsal room or a gig or a kind of a production meeting a lot. Like I enjoy bouncing off cast members or other designers that I feel just like being trapped with your own thoughts all the time. We've still had ideas and concepts, but just not the same as kind of bouncing them in a room with someone. So for me, it's been just trying to keep the faith and keep believing in what we're making, even when you can't share it along the way. That's what I found the hardest. I think obviously along with the kind of the letdown of your expectations with like certain things and them falling through. But that I feel like you, everyone's had that. So we learned to adapt, I guess. Well, that leads me beautifully on to my next question because you are both accomplished artists in your own right. But of course, you mentioned about bouncing creativity off someone, but you guys work together. <laughs> what does being siblings bring to your... Oh, well, I love that. We just had a massive fight just before coming, which is why... <laughs> Even a fight. I was sweating as I walked in because she pissed me off. There's like, I'm not even going to look at you. I'm can driving I, on my own. Can I tell you the story very quickly? Please tell me. She, Phil, like, at half four, we said we'll post something before we leave. And it was pretty straightforward. No, but we had and a so, bunch of things to do today with his wife. Of course. Gone. I'm not saying the only thing Phil did was post at half four. But anyway, so she just tells me, can you just double check the caption before I post it? And as she passes me the phone, it was gone. And no, because so, we were already late. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, just tell me it's good. And then she deleted it. I'm like, what well, this is anyway. This is the perfect demonstration of one of my questions was if do, you know, do you ever argue? No, I think literally, 
that song said that. quite a lot. Usually it's because we're passionate about what we're making and like we want it to be good. Yeah, I think in everyday life we fight less than we do. No, I think job. like we also normally work with other people and then so we have like a layer of politeness on, but when it's just been our us two alone in a bedroom, it's yeah, just... usually we have like a mediator in between. I us think this was a tough meeting. year, yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad you answered that question for me. That was brilliant. I didn't even know. Everyone who knows us knows exactly. <laughs> but listen, okay, so you fight, but you're siblings and you're also very creative. Do you think that you have, despite the fights, do you think that you have strength in the fact that you are siblings or do you sometimes feel frustrated by that? Are you competitive with each other or are you always on the same side? So I think there's obviously strength because otherwise we'd have stopped doing what we're doing. But I think there are definitely the moments where you're like, so let's say I would be more, I don't know, I would just like write something on the piano, be a bit more free and then feel alone to like polish and polish and polish and criticize and look into it. And I'm just a bit like, oh, be a bit free. Like, let's just not look into the 5,000 details. Let's just feel it for a second. Um, so I think like that's where I would be frustrated, whereas Phil would be frustrated with like, why is this shoddy work? I'm like, it's not. It's just like a feeling and it came out and we don't need to like ask a billion questions about every decision sometimes. So I think that's where like it's a frustration and our differences are kind of... Uh-huh. No, I think obviously it's a, in, on one hand it's a good thing because we see things from the literal polar opposite angles. I mean, if I see it black, she consistently sees it white like that, which sometimes is frustrating, but probably is what kind of makes us land at a bit of a... Like a, a midpoint that works in a sense that like I'm very detail oriented and everything is very like creative with everything she can do kind of thing. And so sometimes it's frustrating because you can't see each other's kind of point. But I think for the most part it's fruitful because it pushes <laughs> us both to kind of get to a, a clear, even sometimes you have to kind of justify your reasoning a bit, which makes you have to like fight for your idea. Sometimes it's tiring, but sometimes I think it makes you chisel at it and hone it a bit better. <laughs> But then, okay, so not even, let's get out of the studio and let's get to you guys going out into the market as uh, artists, as writers, as producers, uh, and as musicians. Is, I do feel that you are stronger because you are a team, because you are siblings, because you are the new Victorians. Or do you think you would have more potential if you were on your own? I think we had very different strengths. Again, sorry to be annoying, but I think like lately we just wrote a song and produced it for a friend of ours and we did it together kind of for him. And in that, like we very clearly see eye to eye together. It's like, okay, you're going to tackle this with him and I'm going to tackle that with him. And in a sense, like it was just much easier because we kind of have the same idea and we're working with an artist. So like we know what idea we want to give him. And it was just really fun to produce and write. And in a sense, because it's representing him, he gets the final word. So even if we disagree, then in a sense, like we can present to him both sides of the argument and, and he will choose what he wants because he's the client. So in that sense, it's easier, I think. Um, again, I think if we, when we are solo artists, if like Phil is directing, like she has that strength, or if I'm like songwriting or producing for someone else, then generally you kind of have the client to please whereas when it's tmv we're doing this for ourselves to represent ourselves and you feel like you wanted to represent us 50 50 so kind of what both of us feel is important needs to kind of be balanced out but i know i think i think there is a strength in the sense that like now like between i was saying our strengths coming together with like 
Bettina's music production, my kind of theatrical director, anger. There's a kind of different like skill set, I guess, to someone who might be a solo creative, just because kind of we've amassed our own experience along the way and then like brought that together. Sometimes it's exactly like it has to just go through a longer filter process, but sometimes I think it sparks like good ideas. That might just be different to someone else's. So I think that's... Well, Phil, you just mentioned theatre. Yeah. And you guys pulled off way back in 2019 setting, mm-hmm. which was massive, absolutely incredible. Sold out. It was a fantastic, amazing performance over at uh, Fort St. Elmo. Yeah. I was there. I was utterly blown away. And then Thank I spoke you. to you afterwards about this. And you guys had never, you, you wrote it, you wrote the music, you produced it. I, you'd never done this before. Yeah. <laughs> was that not a massive, directed it. I mean, was that not a massive, massive no, gamble? What was nuts. the learning from yeah. that? It was nuts, mainly because of the time scale. You know, I mean, the whole thing was crazy, but more than anything, just the time scale. We had been told about it in December, and we had to put it up right and compose and direct and cast and everything, a full piece up until obviously it had to open first week of June, so everything had to be done by May. But we had already had a production that we were taking to London between February and March. So we're like, oh my God, we have no time to do it, but it's too much of a good opportunity. So it was one of these things where you're like, either we miss up on a really good opportunity or we're just going to have to kill ourselves. (laughs) I think honestly, we look back and we're like, how did we do it? Like the other day, we're just reflecting on 2019 and it was just... Because not only that, then in July we were in Edinburgh for the Fringe with a different show. And I, like now, when you say I was such a slow 2020, 2021, I mean slow, we kept busy. But I mean, when we look back to 2019, we were just like, how did we do it? And also a bit like, and it was good, actually. Like we hear the music sometimes and we're like, how did we come up I with that? sometimes when you're working on such like adrenaline that we just knew that like within a week we had to come up with the first draft of the whole show. And you're like, you just have to do it. Like, let's come up with a version and then if it's rubbish, restart. <laughs> and I think we are lucky because we surrounded ourselves with good people. So we had a very strong cast and creative team that like, if we kind of gave our 100, their 100 would kind of make it into something so much better, you know? Yeah, no, I think in that sense, it was really like laying the groundwork because it's even just as an audition process, people would usually audition with just a monologue or come in and share a bit of something. But we had like a full workshop with them where we made them all create so we could get a vibe of like the ensemble chemistry. And I think the fact that they ended up like a full-on family, suddenly there's like an energy there, which is really what I was talking about, like what I miss. Where like you feel that the room is almost electric at some moments and it's like we gave one good idea but they bounce back with like another three so it's like that creative ping pong for me is like the joy of of this crazy scene <laughs> well sete obviously is a historical story relating to malta and it's a beautiful story it's a tragic story I was actually crying during it. But, uh, Did you follow the Maltese? All of the way? course, I followed the Maltese. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and, but the production and the structure of the production and the sp- structure of the theatre yeah. was visually incredible. You. Are you going to do it again? Well, actually, we're working on a new Teatro Malta commission, so another crazy idea. 
uh, for the time being, we've parked it uh, as like the big flashy version. We might be, we're working on a version which might go to schools, so it's more like boiled down, but more of an educational angle of how we could kind yeah. of tell stories, like learn our history in a more hands-on way that's a bit more exciting and brings theater and education together in schools. But we are very lucky to have gotten this um, Teatro Malta deposit grant, which is basically this, like in this time period, through COVID, we've been working on developing a new show, which is also freaky and challenging and crazy. We can't really disclose much, but we are going to be making a call for creative ensemble members, which are very excited about. Finally, we get to meet some people and like start bouncing again. So that's, I think, what we can reveal, right? I think I think I think Sete will come back eventually, but I don't think the time is right now, especially with like it being quite large scale. It kind of feels epic, so we need a bit of an epic surrounding kind of thing. Well, we're going to come to the music in a second, but is this a new direction for the TNVs, as you said? I, I love that. I'm, I've never heard you say that before. I'm down with you, girls. The TNVs. We say TNVs. We say TNV all the time. Is this, a, is this a new direction for you guys? You know, you're going to be pursuing this theatrical direction. I think in our kind of in our like strategy meetings or discussions, it's always like the music, the theater, and we're also excited about kind of the female or kind of education side of it, of like how do we pass this on and how do we kind of leave a legacy and make it about more than just ourselves. So we're going to come back to theater and songwriting and songs and everything that you've been doing with music in just a second but I just want to pick up on something that you just said a minute ago Bettina that I've not heard before women education what's this I haven't heard you even mention this before so I think it's something like we've actually been passionate about kind of since 2016 when we started working on Mara the show that was about celebrating these female stories that we felt we didn't know enough about as kind of educated women you know and I was in London at the time. I was like one girl in a class of 25 where like three or four women. And so again, that was just in music production. And it's just this question of like, where are the women in music, in tech, even in performance? I feel like just a classic beer fest year. Like there are so many male bands and performers. And then you have like the one female singer who's kind of singing the songs that men wrote and men produced. And and I, it's, I love men, that's kind of not the point. The point is like, where are the women and how do we support them to get there? Are we just raising women who are less risk-taking and kind of safer? And, and how do we encourage women to be courageous and find those safe spaces? So something we've been discussing is like having a, an all-female songwriting camp where we kind of invite established female artists to just have a songwriting camp of again, like just women, to have like each team have a producer and a lyricist and who are women. And um, so that's something we've kind of been working on in COVID times, because we think like, if we're not all performing, then let's get together and write. And again, like in 2016 in London, there was the first all-female songwriting camp and I was just helping out as a technician there. And so again, like to think that London did that for the first time five years ago, where you think everything should be inclusive and, and advanced and all that, then you say, okay, like the whole world is a bit behind, you know, I think 5% of producers are female and like the ones who have won any awards are very few and far between. So mm -hmm. it's just something that I think if we didn't have, let's say our parents or our upbringing, like would we be here? And so if people don't have that, then how can we facilitate it? Well, that leads me to two more questions. <laughs> First of all, that sounds a bit feminist to me. That sounds yeah. a bit, you know, chuck out the men and women's rights and we're going to wear dungarees. Um, 
does it or does it have to rather i mean i i love working with men and i i think men have great ideas i just think that if you are put off by the fact that you're going to be the only woman in a room then like that's a struggle and that's something like we should all work to fight against you know like if you were a producer and you're a male then like you should believe that there are women with equally good ideas out there and want to work with them for your own good and your own kind of growth so i think it's just more about having these equal opportunities and and each kind of group standing on their own two feet yeah and this fairly. whole idea that feminism isn't male hating feminism is like female celebrating i think that was at the core of everything like we did with mara that like we just want to elevate women and not like chuck down the guys kind of thing it's just exactly you mentioned the word elevate you're talking about bringing women up to the position yeah. that men are in and making them equal rather than making a point of them being women yeah yeah and i think i don't think there's anything wrong in almost celebrating those differences like if we tackle problems differently to a man or whatever the stereotypes may be like that's good in a sense and I think part of the experiment is almost if there were only women writing, producing, mixing, mastering this track, would it sound different? And why? And I mean, I had done a whole like papers and dissertation about this, so I won't go into it. But it's it's just interesting because we haven't seen it and it's unexplored ground, you know. And then I think there's, I mean, this whole idea of like the glass ceiling. I was good friends with like a, a producer in London who like all of a sudden now she's just been given all the female acts and. And she's like, you, it's not because you think I match with them. It's just because they're women. Like, I want the guy bands as well. I want the good male singers as well. Like, don't put me in this corner, you know, like, so with your her own manager. So I think it's just ongoing, you know. Well, you also referenced there, and we come back to that. My second question is you referenced <laughs> your family. And you are both married women. <laughs> Bettina, you're soon to be a mother. And I was thinking to myself before I came to interview with you guys, that perhaps there is some expectations, whether it be from family or whether it be from outside of the family, that maybe you should sit into more traditional roles. But it sounds like you come from a very open-minded background and you are not going to be sitting <laughs> in those traditional roles, even as a mother. Haha, <laughs> Beth, even as a mother. <laughs> yeah, I, I think our mother was, was not traditional in a sense. Our mother had a pharmacy degree, but like worked as a pharmacist for a few years, but then kind of felt like she had another calling and a dream and kind of ended up moving to youth work and did youth work full time. And when we were growing up, I mean, there were people home all the time. Some people rehearsing in the basement, some people doing school outreaches. Some, and it was literally an open house. I mean, our mother was the first person to just buy us instruments, buy us a recording for dummies book, buy us like tech and gear and a microphone. And like that's really in a sense because she saw that that's where we gravitated towards. She kind of fueled that passion. And that I think if we didn't really have like an upbringing where that felt like okay to do, or even I mean Bettina can't do it herself, but she was a straight A student, gonna go into medicine, and much to our father's dismay, like left it behind for music. But I think. There was just that like affirmation that like, okay, it's not exactly what he, <laughs> like our parents are both scientists and wanted us to go into that. But if that's not where you feel you flourish, then like we're just going to back you where you feel you do. And I think that's also a thing. I think women often like have the capacity, have the dreams, but like there are certain societal pressures that make you feel like you can't act on them. So I think, I think uh, the other side to that coin is our dad, really, because our dad was like, 
So my mom did most of these things voluntarily and like Phil was saying, kind of gave her f- whole life to it. But our dad was very happy to support it. And like if my mom would be on stage or giving a, a, a talk or I don't know what, like he would be the very supportive husband always there, like going to work day in, day out. And, and I don't know, they kind of made it work. But we often have this discussion with Howard of like, are your husbands jealous of your attention or your success? Or like, how do they feel when you're on stage and everyone's looking at you? And I think we're really lucky in that we also kind of found husbands who are like very supportive and very like, no, this is what you have to do. Like, this is what you're really good at. This is your calling. This is what makes you come alive. So I think there's a bit of that. And maybe we're luckier than we realize because when Howard is always like, so they're possessive, they're jealous. What are they like? We're just like, uh. my husband's the one in the front being like, <laughs> like I filmed you and I took photos and they're all bad. And I'm like, good effort. Thank you. <laughs> But if you have a strong father figure, you're going to look for those qualities in your husband, in your your partner, your life partner, because you know what that looks like. And I think for a lot of women, they don't have strong father figures and they spend their life replicating what they've found in so their that's father. That's what I mean by like giving my dad the credit of like, she was on stage, she was in the limelight and he was okay with it. He was like the, the backbone, like making it happen and making it possible at the end of the day because like he financed most of what she did you know and like yeah but i think i think just that and i since nah, i think i think strong father figures are like strong male figures are equally important to strong female ones because they're the ones who are kind of and not because you're a woman just because you're good and i since even with howard i mean when we we're starting out we really laughed because we had no idea who he even was <laughs> And he had invited us to his studio and we were like going to this random guy's house. Ha ha ha. And <laughs> he really thought we knew everything about him, which we were naive. And of course you're talking about the Howard Keith. <laughs> no, I mean, it was funny because we had just come back from this competition in America. We had no clue what we just did. We just had a three-track like um, demo EP. Um, and we gave it to him to listen to. But anyway, I just remember on the very first day, he was like, like now listen, I know you must have heard this a million times, but it's going to be so much harder for you as women. And he's giving us this like really like bad pep talk. Not bad, I mean like doom and gloom. And I was like 16. I was like, really? Why? <laughs> and he's like, because they're going to expect you to settle down and all this. And I mean, but also at the same time, eventually, as we started producing and creating, like really facilitated us, I think. I mean, we joke yeah. that Howard used to make me cry a lot, but actually he did kind of mentor us in creating, in creating and trusting our instincts. So... So I, I don't know, motherhood, I guess, for me, feels a bit unknown. Like, I feel we can plan to a certain extent. But I think, obviously, again, like, my dad would prefer if we had, like, the more traditional roots or the safer roots. But I know, like, in discussion with my husband, it's a bit like, you don't want to stop working. I don't want to stop working. So we'll have to find a way to make it work. Maybe it's both of us with, like, a few less hours. Maybe it's kind of a few less nice things and we'll do without the money or, you know what I mean? So... I feel it's going to be a discussion and it will have to be like a discernment along the way throughout because every child and every stage of a child's life has different needs. So I feel it would be a bit dumb to like expect I know what I'm going to do six months from now. We're just going to have to see and discuss and take it from there. Is it exciting? Is it scary? Both? No, no. I wouldn't say the overall feeling is fear. No, I would say it's excitement. I, I love kids. I'm a very, I mean, I was a teacher at a primary school. I could be around kids all day. So... I feel very happy about that. I think the scary part for me is like, will I have time alone? Will I have any me time? Which we'll see. 
<laughs> Listen, I've, as I've mentioned, you have played Fossos in front of thousands of people. You've seen your first stunning but ambitious theatre production sell out. You've had your own number, number one singles. This is what we've seen just recently with your collaborations. What is the future direction of new Victorians in a very short sentence? <laughs> you've asked Phil to give us a short <laughs> sentence. <laughs> Bettina, you've asked Phil to give us a short Go sentence. For it, that queen of concise. I, I want to see you try. I want to see you try. I don't know. I just don't. Just like okay, just comparative. Don't you go first, Phil, and then you go <laughs> second. She's going to be good. She's going to be mulling over it now. Perfecting. So she is competitive. Oh, competitive. Is the yes, true. No, I mean, I think I just there's so many unknowns at the moment. I feel like I I don't really know. What I know is that like we'll keep. I feel like we'll keep developing. So I feel like as soon as stuff gets a bit too comfortable or a bit too easy, we're like quick to give ourselves another challenge. So at the moment, like this time, it was the challenge of collaborating and collaborating virtually. Those were two things we had never done. And so that kept us like on our toes and responding. And so and I think, uh, I think just more, this new theater production will be a huge challenge in itself and finalizing this album and launching it will be a challenge. Um, I like, right, but I don't know. That's what, <laughs> that was not one sentence. What is this? The question was like a brief TMV um, trajectory. Yeah, so I would say it's the same. Is is music? It's music is and theater. And concert is what's the word I'm looking for? Is like nourishing a, a future generation of like women and creatives, really, not just women. But I think that is our that's concert answer for you, Rudy. <laughs> TNVs, Bettina, <laughs> Phil, and the little one. Thank you so much for being on this podcast mm -hmm. with Invintage. Thank it's been you. absolutely thrilling, and I'm wishing you all the very best Thank of you luck. For having us. I'm looking forward to finding out whether it's a boy or girl. Thank you. Next week, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. You've been amazing. Bye.